you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. And I'm going to challenge you to do something, church. This is one verse that I believe should ring an echo in the heart of every believer. One verse that I believe that all of us can memorize. So can you do that? Can, you, can I give you that challenge? And next week, I'm going to ask, church, how many of you memorize this verse? It's a pretty powerful verse. It's one that I sat on for quite some time this week, one that convicted me deeply. The temptation for this verse is to read it and assume because I'm a follower of Christ and that I'm a Christian that this doesn't hold much weight to my life today. But as I allow the word to really penetrate my heart and to diagnose and expose my heart, I've recognized I'm not as great as a follower as I wish I was of Christ. I don't worry, I'm not about to confess any secret sin. But the reality is, if you look at my life and the time spent in my free time, the hours, I think of man. Instead of ESPN, I could have been reading the B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> and after reading this, I was quite convicted. I really asked myself the question, when I die one day, a bit morbid, we'll all be there one day, what do I want to be known for? You ever asked that question? One of the most morbid things I've ever done was in seminary getting my doctorate. The very first session of our cohort, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write your own obituary. I want you to write what you would want people to say about you when you die. So here's what I did. I wrote it all out. Here is the problem. The man I wanted them to speak about was not the man I presently was. And it hurts. From that time, God sparked something in me as your pastor and as your friend. He sparked something in me that I cannot seem to overcome for some reason. And I'll give you an example. Have any of you ever tried to go on a diet? I hear someone just laughing over there. Someone said, I hate it. It's so hard. And here's my recent diet. I have to stop eating Reese's peanut butter cups. I got to stop it for the name of Jesus. And for some reason, it's like every time I'm trying to do good, that's what Paul said in Romans 7, every time I want to do the things that I don't want to do, I do. When I don't do, I don't do, I do. Something like that. You know what I mean, Romans 7? There is a staff member sitting here somewhere that every time I open up my box, there's a whole other Reese's there waiting on me. It happens every week. But there is a spiritual diet that God had placed in me several months ago that really caused me to stop and look at my life as a believer of Christ and ask this question, how badly do I want to know Jesus? Ask yourself that. How badly do I want to know Jesus? Now I read this verse. Listen to this verse. Then Jesus said to his disciples, 
If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let's stop right there. There is a lot that Jesus is saying in this one verse. And let me start by giving you the context of this one verse in the 16th chapter of Matthew. Here you have all of the disciples that have been following Jesus, and they have seen Jesus do miraculous things before them. They've seen Jesus feed 5,000. They've seen Jesus um, heal people. They've seen, by this point, they knew this was the real Jesus. Right before he tells them, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself. Here's what he tells them in verses 21 through 23. Here's what he says. I am going to suffer many things and I'm going to be killed. And then look at the following verses. Anybody want to follow me? Someone said, yeah. So here you have the disciples sitting there. Keep in mind, part of the 12 disciples, one of them were Judas, who's going to betray Jesus. Another is Peter, who's going to deny Jesus. But then let's think about the context. Caesarea Philippi was the Las Vegas of their time. Here they had the sanctuary of Pan, which during this time there were so many false gods. And you'll see pictures up here of Caesarea Philippi, and you'll see the different, uh, you see these niches there in the caves. Just leave this picture up here. These niches right here, by the way, it's still there. They would have false gods in these niches. And people would come because they were hungry for something more in life, and they would worship these false gods, the god of fertility. If you look to the very, very left, there is what you can barely see, but it's a cave where they believe that false gods resided. It's where the gate of Hades is. And people would take their infants, hold them upside down. What a great story on parent dedication day. (laughs) And throw them into the cave. They'd wait at the end of the river to see if there was blood or no blood because depending on whether there was blood or no blood, it would tell them whether or not the false god took their sacrifice. It's horrific. But they were desperate. They wanted something. They wanted meaning to life. They wanted a higher power. If you look at the mock-up of the sanctuary of Pan... Each of these many temples you see here were places of worship for false gods. You have people all who are here. You can see to the right this outdoor theater there, false gods. The niches, false gods. There was false gods everywhere. It was a place that was known for high sexual activity. I think about how to put that with kids in here. The god of nymph resided there. It gives you an idea of how bad it was. So picture this in the background. Here Jesus is, this is Caesarea Philippi, 
everything you see there in their time is attractive to their senses. It's like getting a freshman college student. This is what it's like. Getting a freshman college student. Taking them to the largest party that year. You had a frat party. You take them to the frat party. Who's who's there? They're playing a little trippy, a little drippy, whatever they call that guy. All kinds of music. And you pull the freshman there. So I know this is a new world for you. But if you want to follow Jesus, you can't have any of this. At that moment, you would think as a freshman, all of the senses are just going off about what the flesh wants. So here Jesus pulls his disciples. In the background, more than likely, this was going on. And he tells his disciples, do you understand? If you want to follow me, you have to deny what the world is going to offer you. Let me say that again. If you want to follow me, you have to deny what the world is going to offer you. How bad do you want Jesus? And let me just tell you, for those who who like to substitute time with God with Christian books and podcasts, they're not wrong, they're not bad, but the enemy is so deceitful that he would have you spending more time on podcasts and Christian books than he will have you spending time in the Word of God. He's unbelievably deceitful. And so Jesus asked the 12, listen to what he says. Verse 24, if... If anyone wishes, this wish, that word in the Greek, it's just translated to desire. Now he's speaking to your desire. So if we were to ask ourselves, do I truly have a desire to follow Jesus? Ask yourself that. Do you have a desire to know the heart of God or do we only seek the hand of God? Do you want him for who he is, or do you want him for what he has to offer? Two big differences there. And so here it's speaking to desire, uh, the, the will, the want. So what you saw at parent dedication is parents are saying, I am desiring to raise my children in the ways of the Lord. But as we know, that's just the beginning. They have the action that comes next. So here he's speaking simply to the desire. If anyone wishes to come after me, if you desire to follow Jesus, he must deny himself. That part is hard. This word deny in the Greek, here's what it means to disassociate yourself with something or somebody. So what he is saying is, if you want to follow me, Disassociate yourself with yourself. That kind of mind-boggling. If, if you want to follow me, die to yourself every single day. Deny yourself every single day. 
deny that laziness that keeps you from seeking God. Deny it. Deny the times that we want to ramp on social media versus spending time with God. Deny it. Deny that times we want to gossip and slander. Deny it. Deny the times that we want to sin we think nobody's looking. Deny it. Deny it, deny it, deny it so you can follow Jesus. Then here's what he says. Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, as, as a pastor, here's what I often hear when people say, it's just my cross to bear. You ever heard that before? It's my cross to carry. And you hear it in the form kind of like this. Oh, my in-laws, I guess it's just my cross to carry. My spouse, I guess God is just going to use his sanctification, just my cross to carry. My supervisor, it's just, just my cross to carry. Make sure none of my pastors are laughing at that real quick. Listen, that is one of the most misused phrases in Scripture. He is not talking about our little crosses and thorns here. You understand that? When Jesus is, is speaking to the disciples in this context, and he's saying you're going to have to carry a cross, your cross, Jesus is not thinking about in-laws. Jesus is not thinking about spouses. Jesus is not thinking about supervisors. Jesus is not thinking about homework. Jesus is not thinking about the Arizona Cardinals. Jesus is not thinking about any of these things. Here is basically what he is telling them. See, this is what Trump's prosperity gospel right here. He's saying, do you understand if you want to follow me and you want to carry the cross, do you know what the cross meant during this time? Now we wear it that's kind of a pride thing, right? You can have rappers wearing it, you have athletes wearing it, and they don't even follow Jesus. It just looks good. Do you know what I'm saying? Here in this context, when Jesus speaks of a cross, he has not gone to the cross, therefore he is not speaking of crucifixion of the cross just yet. When he is speaking of dying on the cross, the cross was a sign of humiliation. The cross was for criminals. It wasn't anything to boast about. But what he is asking them is, are you really willing to die for yourself and die for me if you have to? Are you willing to carry the sufferings and persecution of what comes with following Jesus Christ? Are you willing to deny your flesh? Are you willing to do these things? And how far and how long are you willing to do it? You know, I have a feeling when Jesus was speaking, when he first started, the crowds were huge. And then he began to say things that people didn't want to hear. And they got smaller and smaller and smaller. And then I always wonder, how many of those people that were following Jesus actually believed in Jesus. 
Or were they just there to see the tricks that he can do? You know what's really scary about American churches and Christianity? When we compare it to churches or some of our missionaries who go overseas, we used to joke, Brandon and I, the church we came from, and this is a lot of churches, if it rained that day and sprinkled, it's going to be a low church attendance today. Or if there was a football game on, we can guarantee it's going to be a low church attendance today. See, here's what I don't understand about the American church sometimes, and I'm American, by the way, and I love America, and I love this church, and I love the American churches. But I think here is what gets really, 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 really sad. We'll say, yes, I want to deny myself and follow you, but if it rains outside and I'm tired, I ain't going to do it. I will deny myself and follow you, but if there's a good game on at noon, you better believe I won't be at church. I would deny myself and follow you, but if you ask me something that I don't want to do or break off something with somebody, I'm not going to do it. How hungry are we to know and to seek the face of God? Do we want to seek him when it's inconvenient, or do we want to know him only when it's convenient? Because my fear is that in the American churches, we've created the God of self. This is about the time when the church got smaller for Jesus, probably. And that's okay. But let me, let me just tell you, my fear is that Satan has done such a good job of making people think they are followers of Christ when they are only fans. There are fans and there are followers. Two big differences. And my fear is that Satan has deceived so many people and there are so many fans who call themselves followers who are going to hell because Satan has deceived them so well. No, the follower denies themselves. The follower trades in their original birth certificate for a new birth certificate that says child of God on it. I belong to the most high when he says jump, I ask how high, how bad do you want to know God? Hear my heart, and I say this with, 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 with humility and a love and, and borderline desperation. I love that our church has been growing like crazy. I love that our church is diverse. I love these things, but my heart is not fulfilled until I know that in these seats are warriors for Jesus Christ who are willing to go to battle for Jesus, not just show up to a football game and sit in the stands, but people who are willing to say, he died for me, for me, for my sin. Good, I am willing to give him whatever he wants. My life is no longer mine. I yearn to have a church with warriors who are willing to go to spiritual war and spiritual battle. How bad do you want God? How bad? How, do you? I never forget. In college, we'd, we'd sit down and watch film. And we watched film on basketball, and it would drive me crazy when I was out on the court and I would give everything I had, and we'd lose a game by about three points, and we're looking at film, and you always had one or two guys who weren't giving it their all, 
And I'd get so mad because they, they were gifted. They had the ability to do it. I'm like, please, give it your all. And I'd, I'd just, I'd, I'd, I'd got to be honest, I'd rip into them afterwards, after a film. I'd, sl- I'd slow, slow motion the film and play it back over and over. Like, that's you right there. You see you? You're walking. See everybody else? We're running. And I was like, you don't have a giftedness problem. It's why you're playing college basketball. You have a will and desire problem. Where's the oomph? See, in American churches, I look out here and think about the giftings sitting in here that I don't even know about. I think about how God can raise up people right in this congregation. And what I would tell them is say, hey, you two guys know if you played your all to your fullest of your abilities, the entire team would be better for it. And so, church, I wonder how much stronger we could be as a church. I wonder if we took throughout the week, every single day, if God would expose this, say, okay, here are your church members. Let's put this on slow-mo and see who's walking. Let's put this on fast-mo to see who's running. I don't really know, but I wonder which one and which of you would be walking or running. And I think I wonder how much stronger we could be as a church and how much impact we would have in a broken community of people who are dying and going to hell. If every single one of us in this room are going to say, listen, I will run for the name of Jesus. I will no longer walk. I won't just be a fan. I will be a follower. I will deny myself and I will run. Can you imagine what God can do through this church if we all became runners for him? Don't don't get confused. You think I'm I'm up here as a pastor because I have it all together and because I've never made mistakes? No, maybe why he has me up here is because I'm so hungry and I want to do whatever he wants me to do. That's how I ended up here. Now, I don't know where God's taking you or where you will end up, but it starts with denying oneself and surrendering. Like, I just, man, as I look around, and I look at this passage. Church, I beg you. I beg you not to become just fans of Jesus. Please. So what does it take to be a follower? He, he, he tells us, deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow him. And listen to the rest of this passage. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with the angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here. My gosh, listen to this. This is scripture, by the way. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. 
Look at how powerful is this word. How powerful is this scripture. Are you a follower of Christ? Or simply a fan? Do you know who Jesus is going to come back for one day? The followers. Not the fans. How badly do you want to know him? Students, college students, high school students, you will have a sanctuary of pan looking at you for the rest of your life. And I promise you, you are planting seeds today that will produce fruit tomorrow. I promise you, you are planting seeds today that will produce fruit tomorrow, students. Do what it takes now to build a spiritual palette to deny yourself the things your flesh wants. Pursue holiness. You can't be passive and become holy. I counsel people all the time who say, I don't have time to read the Bible. So, are you on social media? Yeah. Well, how, how long are you on social media each day? Several hours. Well, there's your Bible time. But how badly do you want it? See, culture would say, do away with social media? No. Why? How bad do you want him? How bad do you want Jesus? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to do?